developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Life Better from Virgin. I'm Melissa Hemsley. I'm a cook, writer and champion of sustainable, nourishing food. In this series, we're looking at how we can use our senses to enhance our lives, be it sound, sight, taste, touch, and today's sense, smell. In the studio today, I have Odette Toilette, aka Lizzie Ostrom, a smell enthusiast and the author of Perfume, A Century of Scents. Hello, Lizzie. Hello. And we have Nico Dafkos from multi-sensorial lifestyle brand, Earl of East. Hello, Nico. Hello. Hi, everyone. Also coming up, I'll be talking to Annie de Mamiel, a well-being expert and aromatherapist, championed by the likes of Gwyneth Paltrow and me. Lizzie, Nico, firstly, can I ask you, are you wearing a fragrance today? I am wearing the, um, a perfume that both Paul and my husband and I wore on the day we got married. So, oh, um, Are you feeling celebratory? That's why you're here today and you're like, I want to capture well, some of that. The truth is I got it gifted over the holiday season. So it's still there. It's still available. That's yeah. what I put on. It's fresh and new. Lovely. Yeah. Of course I am. Of course you are. Is it a classic one for the day of the week or? Yes, I have a fragrance for every hour of every day. And I switch. <laughs> no, I would love to say I had this incredibly complex system for selecting or a vending machine at home. But being very honest, I opened the cupboard very tired this morning and just went and reached for one. But often by the end of the day, I might have four or five on at one time because I have to smell lots of stuff and try it out. So, yeah, might have a few bits. There could be bits and bobs. <laughs> They're bits and bits bobs, and bobs merging. Yeah. Well, we should. We'll come back to that and talk about the mm. different, um, the different French words to decipher. But talk us through olfactory. Talk us through the the process and what that means. Well, so the olfactory sense is how we describe our sense of smell. And the sense of smell broadly works to sort of give a overview version. When you are breathing in or you're chewing on food and breathing out again and you've got airflow going through your sinuses or through your nose, volatile molecules dissolve in your mucous membranes up in your nose and olfactory sense receptors quite far up. <laughs> I can't show you. But she's, she's trying to sort I'm of show. i a pipe cleaner up my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Receive these molecules and then send signals through neural pathways. Mm-hmm. These, So imagine a load of sort of cables that all come together in a place called the olfactory bulb, which sits sort of at the base of the skull. So the olfactory bulb then transmits these signals to the limbic part of the brain, which are then sort of decoded. And we decode smells in several ways. And it's really interesting to break these down because we don't really know, you know, we're not told about these different sort of olfactory abilities. So first is, can we smell something? (laughs) So... There's often a threshold for this. So some of the population have a very sensitive, low threshold for smelling certain things and others it's much higher. 
Then you have a process of recognition. So, you know, do I recognise what I'm smelling? And then often what comes first is the the sort of emotional or mood connotation of that smell. So you're sort of searching for a previous association with that smell. Mm. So say you're smelling like a cup of coffee. If you love coffee, you're getting that association. I This is just the best thing ever. But then the other thing that's often really tricky that we do when we smell is then the identification. Th- that process that Lizzie just described. Um, in our workshops, we simplify that a lot. We talk about those molecules that carry scent information as keys and that process of, of those keys traveling through all the different stages in within the organs and, and behind the scenes, if you like, as ultimately reaching a keyhole, um, which then basically the key slots into, it opens up the door for us to experience scent. And that's basically the simplified version. That's of, much better than my version. I liked I both like your keys, versions. Yeah. And your <laughs> workshops. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. It, it, did the workshops come about because everyone was in love with your candles and they just, when you love something, right, you want to learn more. I think, yeah, I think also um, smell is probably the one sense that gets the least attention in our day to day. Yes. And I think over the last, couple of years, I think there's been a move towards, you know, aromatherapy and really finding out more about sending what it is we like. Because, I mean, we all carry noses in the middle of our faces. Uh, we all experience scents. And it's just a shame that the public was made to feel that we were not educated enough to be part of that conversation. So I think out of that need, we are self-starters. We self-taught um, blending and, and working with scent. So we wanted to share that with our customers. And I think there is a huge a, a huge group of people that are also interested in, in wanting to find out more without, you know, feeling intimidated. Mm. <laughs> we do an exercise, which is the blind smell test, where we pass around different oils um, for people to smell. But the game is not to figure out what it is. So the identification, Lizzie was mentioning, we steer away from that. We want people to approach it much more creatively. Think of colors, think of places, think of emotions, think of memories and let their mind really go with it. Well, speaking of memories, why does smell, Lizzie, have such a strong link to memory? Yeah, I think because smell is invisible and intangible and difficult to communicate, but also unbearably nostalgic. It's like the presence of someone, you know, it's like their ghost mm. and they might be gone from our lives. So I think it's that combination of the, the, the fact it's vivid and the ache you might get from it. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, what does your house smell like now as a grown-up? And what did your house smell like when you were a child? Like, what's your child smell? My child smell must be cumin because my grandmother used cumin in literally every dish she cooked. Yeah. Cumin all the way. And everything. And the smell of... It's a lovely smell to have. I love cumin. And I grew up in a Greek Orthodox uh, family, so a lot of churchy type of scents which yeah. are still amongst my favorites not that I'm overly religious but it's just that that memory yeah. and that association I have with that scent and cumin brings me straight to my grandmother and it's great times yeah, yeah. and now what does and, your smell um, like well, how smell like now now it's much more sophisticated <laughs> no <laughs> no now it has changed um simply because obviously we we create home scents and Every room has a different scent. And also every time we trial something, we will trial it at home. So at the at the entrance at the minute, we have something which is more welcoming, which is an essential oil blend that we've created. And um, then in the living room, which is the darker room, it's a cozy, smoky scent. It's smoke and musk that we're burning. In the kitchen, we've got greenhouse and wildflower. Oh, lovely. Um, and then in the bedrooms, we burn atlas cedar. 
um, which is more calming and more cleaner. And so, what's good for the bathroom? Well, the bathroom is um, is a depends on what you're using it for. If it's wind well, down for a bath or wake up and so. The uh, essential oil blend, we have it also as a candle and a bath salt, so we, we use them, which is a, it's a blend of peppermint, eucalyptus and mandarin Nice to get you out of bed in the morning. And then if you want to wind down in the evening, we got you covered. It's a blend of black pepper, oak moss and cedarwood, which is more calming. Mm. And Lizzie, what about you? What moods do you create at home? I, and what was your childhood smell? My childhood smell. I just remember the different plastic smells and the vinyls of all the different what toys. What did you say, like um, and, plasticine? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, plasticine as well. And fi- Was it FIMO or FIMO, that clay you baked in the oven? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a strawberry shortcake doll as well who still, she was Wait, in my parents' that? attic. So a doll with a squeezable tummy and she smells of strawberries and it still smells. <laughs> I have that had that doll. Thing. It's 30 years old and it still smells. Now, um, I do love anything incense, and I love Japanese incense in particular. It's quite hard to get the um, the really good stuff in London, and the, the best incense I ever tried was... I, I hosted a Kodo ceremony, and Kodo is the Japanese way of incense, and very traditional incense is basically a tiny chip of wood, of agar wood, and you, it's put onto coals in a ceramic vessel and passed around from person to person. So you sit in a circle and you pass the incense around and you have an incredibly focused smelling session where you might hold it for 30 seconds and you've got a certain way of smelling and cupping the pot and then you pass it round. So it's not it's not like a passive thing. It's where everyone has the responsibility to go around and a responsibility, have the smell. yeah. And it's it's a really, is that the ceremony of it all? It's a ceremony. To get everybody involved. Yeah. So it's as elaborate as the tea ceremony would be, and of course, what the smell is is important. It's this gorgeous agar wood, but how you're smelling yeah. and the ritual around it. And taking the time yeah, to and stop take, and smell. Exactly. Speaking of taking the time to, you know, like stop and smell the roses and all of that and how we've been speaking quite a lot throughout the series about pollution and in terms of smell pollution, do you feel when you're out and about that you feel quite assaulted by scents? So I think one of the problems with smell is this idea that there is this like coterie of super, I mean, there are super, super tasters and super, but you know, those who are sort of wafting above us, smelling everything and who've got this sort of super power sense of smell and that everyone else is somehow basic. basic. <laughs> and that's not true. And I don't think I do have a better sense of smell. I just think about it more. I don't think I smell better. Do you interpret it? Yeah, it's, a bit more it's time just, interpreting it. I think interpreting it. And I guess I've learned different ways over the years of thinking about smell or responding to it but anyone can do that yeah. and you don't need to be special I agree like I don't think there is any any way to really claim that you're a nose I, d- I really don't believe in that it's more more about really following up on that and 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 allowing your brain to take you places and really follow up on on the scent basically our entire range is inspired by places that we've been to so we always try to retell a story of a place that we've visited on holidays or from childhood memory so we we walk around not necessarily smelling you know whatever plants and dishes we're gonna experience there it's more the notion of the place and the experience Mm. we had and what how can you replicate that through scent without Mm. being too literal Mm. have you ever gone through all the stages of making and then lit the candle smelt it and just burst into tears because like i've just got that so right (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, I, I didn't burst into tears, but... Uh, w- Get a um, shiver. 
one of the latest ones that it, it was pretty pretty spot on and it was it's a, a beautiful blend between tuberose on one on one end and then kate on the other end and a lot of other things in between and it's just such a nice scent we launched it last summer and people didn't really respond to it because it was too it's quite heavy it's yeah. quite woody it's quite smoky summer. exactly so people didn't really react to it and then Come um, October and into like still today, it's become a bestseller, which oh, wow. is super interesting. I've got here this fact from Journal Science. They say our noses can smell at least one trillion distinct scents. And Lizzie, your book, Perfume, A Century of Scents, tell us a bit about it. What inspired you to write this? What I wanted to do was a pop culture romp through the 20th century through 100 perfumes. It was quite hard to do that, as I found out, because I, I, it was partly about making these stories accessible again. And perfume is, it, it's such a fascinating product because it's so many things. It's a beauty product. It is a commercial product. I mean, if you think about the link between perfume and marketing and advertising, that's a huge subject in itself. It's a science. It is an art. And when you bring all these things together, you've got some fascinating stories. And, and it's a subject where in this book, I was bringing together my own stories about these perfumes, whether it is Chanel Number no. 5 or Brute or CK1 or, you know, Yardley Lavender, all those classics. But hopefully giving space for the reader to, to go, this has helped me remember my story about this perfume. How yeah. long did that take you to get that together? That's quite a lot. It took a year, but not. I, I'd been doing for a while before writing at these events where we would time travel through perfume. So each event we'd take a decade and we'd smell the scents that shaped that decade. And then what I would do is I'd contextualize them. So we might be watching, um, you know, like a movie clip from the 50s um, or a film noir, um, one of the Raymond Chandlers, and then we'd be smelling a scent that came out in the 40s that was responding to this idea of the femme fatale. So I'd already done a lot of the work, thankfully, and it was it was about reformatting it for a book. Mm. What's the smell of, like, the late 80s, would you say? I think my mum used to... I think my mum used the same bottle of Issey Miyake for, like, 30 years. Issey Miyake <laughs> so was... That, that was... All um, of Olay, I think, of, like, Primrose Oil and her creams. What, but what were the big smells? The big smells of the 80s... Late um, 80s, early 90s. Yeah, well, so it's really interesting because you've got this war between really heavy, sort of almost indolic, like, animalic or meets bubblegum florals like sort of Giorgio Beverly Hills if you remember that which interestingly a lot of them had tuberose notes but that's the great thing about perfumery you can take a material or an ingredient like tuberose and you can skew it so many different ways from really eucalyptusy through to kind of almost suffocating powderiness so those were really popular then they gave way to or sort of were at war with then the more aquatic, you know, oceany, cool water stuff that was coming through. And green tea was very early 90s. Yes. And, of course, Issey Miyake, those kind of spicy citruses. Yeah. Sunflowers by Elizabeth Arden was very popular at one point. I don't know if you remember that no. one. What was it? Know? Angel. Like, oh, I remember yes, that Angel. was so oh, sweet. Oh, my gosh. Angel has ethyl maltol in it, which smells like sort of burnt sugar. Mm. And Makes sense. That, Do you know what I hit? I, yeah. I think of that smile. Do you know where I am? I am rollerblading mm. or ice skating on the Guildford Spectrum, <laughs> desperately hoping this boy will kiss me when I catch oh. up with him. And and actually, Angel, 
it's it was so successful after a few years it got going it spawned this whole kind of two decade long obsession with these sort of gourmand, fruity, caramelly scents. Mm. So if you think of a lot of the celeb fragrances that followed, and the, I mean that sort of trend is only just going. But it's funny because I, I, I just I think I like I like quite oud woody smells, and what's a, what's what the perfume industry may say is the manly smell. But do you think there's going to be less? Um, it's just going to be unisex smells from now on. What do you think, Nico? I mean, uh, the whole the whole idea of feminine and masculine scents yeah. is. Ridiculous! Yeah. It does not make way any to sense. Sell to us, right? We're, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why it was implemented. And again, it's like saying, you know, pasta carbonara is for men, bolognese is for women. You stick to your guns. Crazy talk. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> I think there is already in the last, I think, five to ten years, probably there there has been a move back to unisex scents. Brands like Aesop, Le Labo, Diptyque, even they just launch scent in perfume in candles and whatever you like um, and it's up to you to decide if it's for you or not yeah. um, there is no gender association needed mm. really mm. which makes total sense I, I would absolutely agree that's been happening but there's a I think maybe still a reluctance to let go of these sort of gender paradigms in a way because perfume traditionally certainly since the 1930s onwards was attached to a face you know like because there's this issue how do you sell a perfume when you can't smell it how do you entice someone in and the way that you know marketeers <laughs> developed is you have to have somebody aspirational that you want to be right and you want to copy them so you know you would look to your role model I think now what has happened as well is because new fragrances aren't inspired by people or they're not about emulating someone or having a particular sort of status or lifestyle and it's more about sort of travel or concept, I think that the gender-neutral thing will go more mainstream. But if you've got access to the kind of stores or places to buy these newer brands, that's one thing. But a lot of us are still living in town centres where we don't necessarily have that choice and it's like poor on, poor femme. Um, you know, that's still the main way a lot of us shop for fragrance. Mm. We touched a bit earlier on, Nico, when you were telling us about your um, smells in the bathroom by day and by night for relaxing and rejuvenating. Can we talk more about how smells affect off our moods? Because, I mean, I work yeah. from home, so I sort of have yeah. my, my specific candle that I burn during the day and then one in the evening. Do you, do you, do people come yeah. in? I mean, when they come into the shop and... Do yeah. they say, right, I can't, I'm stressed, I can't sleep? It's quite interesting. When, when, You're like a when, doctor. Yeah, when, them out. It's, it's quite funny. When somebody comes into, it, it really depends on the time of year um, yeah. and how they feel and who they're buying for and what they're buying for. I think the questions, because we have currently 10 cents in the line, and when people come in, they smell it all and then they don't know what to do with it. Does it we get always, some stressed noses in there? Oh, my God, all <laughs> the time. Basically, the questionnaire starts with, who are you buying for and what room? Yeah. From then on, we can help um you know, help out. A lot of people when it comes to springtime or when they're ready for spring, I think we're we're right now in that kind of season. I'm so ready for spring. Yeah. Mm. So we, we see an uplift with our scents which smell a bit fresher and a bit more springy. Things like greenhouse is suddenly the bestseller. Wildflower, which is super floral. Whereas when it's winter and it's cozy, people go for smoke and musk. When people look for something for, for their pregnant friend, 
Yes. They look again for something calming, which isn't too offending. When you work from home, you'll need something to help you focus. Cedar wood is, is known to help you focus, so we always recommend our Atlas Cedar. So yeah, there there is a a benefit of choosing the right scent for the right mood, moment, room, mm. um, and we're there to help. You're there. You're there to help. And moving even past mood, uh, what what relationship does smell have with our general health, Lizzie? This is such an interesting subject, this idea of smell and the health and our bodies. It's a tricky one again because I think we may be a bit squeamish about thinking about body odour. Um, but, you on. know, let's start. I let's was called do Smelly Melly yeah. when I was a child. Yeah. So there's increasingly research on how smell can act as a tell for different diseases and health conditions. And some listeners may have followed over the last couple of years various people who can smell Parkinson's disease, for example. And in some Sanskrit texts, there was some detail on how you can use different smells to differentiate problems in the body and illnesses. And then the medical profession sort of forgot about this, or it was deprivileged as a way of diagnosing illness. But because of this work in Parkinson's, there's now lots of research looking at the body and the smells that the body emits. So in Parkinson's disease, changes in the brain lead to different hormone functions, which then affect the growth of different bacteria in sebum. So Parkinson's is identified now if you smell the collar of the shirts of people who have Parkinson's, the sebum they, they give off smells much more sort of musky. So arguably different health conditions will affect different parts of the body and its bacteria in particular. And you've got medical detection dogs as well. Medical detection dogs and um, digital noses that basically code every distinct smell and then can sort of match it to a database. So it's going to be a really fascinating time. Yes, there's the sort of specialist medical use of this. But actually, again, going back to sort of being in tune with our bodies and what's going on, just by sort of being exposed to smells or thinking about smell and mm. the smell of our sweat and how that might vary day to day, yeah. we might be able to swap to spot patterns. Yeah, very interesting. So talking about smells and the sense of health and therapy, I spoke to my friend aromatherapist Annie Demamiel earlier and we'll be hearing from her after the break. Finding happiness in a satisfying and fulfilling career can be a challenge. But when you throw additional barriers into the mix, the idea of job satisfaction can seem like an unattainable goal. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about the most shameful mistake you've ever made in your life? Shameful mistake? And hold, hold, hold fire, I asked that yeah. just, to, just to offer a sense of what is effectively the question I'm asked every time I apply for a job. Breaking Barriers is a groundbreaking podcast series. In each episode, two people come together to have an open and frank conversation about barriers in the workplace. I'm Yasmin Abdelmajid, and I'll be guiding you through each episode. The whole series is available right now on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you happen to be listening. Breaking Barriers, an original podcast from Virgin. Hello, Annie. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited because I thought to myself, when we were planning the podcast, I thought you would be amazing in any of the podcasts, touch all of them. And here you are on Smell. And I can't believe I've got you because you're often on the East Coast or West Coast of America, aren't you? Or up in the, up in the sky. 
I seem to be spending more and more time up in the sky of late. Yeah. And so speaking of up in the sky, because this is a lovely connection, we obviously know each other really well and have been, you've been looking after me aromatherapy wise and acupuncture wise and skin wise for about five years. But tell us what you do for Virgin, because I, I didn't know this that well. So a few years ago, we designed a treatment for the Virgin Clubhouse um, called Unwind and for Rest Easy. And it was a really exciting project because it was about helping customers for their journey through the airport. And when they got on the plane, they were ready to either fall asleep or focus a little and do a little bit of rest. But we also um, designed the scents for the um, upper class towels. And the other lovely little thing is we had a little stint on Necker Island and our altitude oil was on Necker Island and it was one of the take-home gifts. That is amazing because when you're going for a big long flight, whether you're going, whether your end goal is a holiday destination or you're going for business as many, many of us fly for business, yeah, it makes complete sense that the second you step onto that plane, you're either ready to rest and enjoy the movies or read or just have some time without your phone or you need to sleep because it's an overnight flight. So that's amazing that they spotted that connection. And I mean, and those products as well, obviously you've got that whole range for sale online and and so on. But is that your, I, I think you told me once before, your sleep series is your best-selling range. Um, it's along there with the altitude oil. Um, and it really is, you know, it's about looking at what's keeping you awake. So all of those elements that are actually in there like that keeps bubbling through our mind and are just literally keeping us awake but for the virgin customer it was about just completing that journey and helping them to arrive in the place where they're going to alive and rested and ready to start their day so they could literally hit the ground running because that is the point of sleep isn't it yes (laughs) and it seems that we've talked lots about it on the podcast in the last series and this series and it just keeps coming back and I think in every episode of the senses you know smell sight sound so on we have always touched on stress in every single podcast because it seems to be the biggest biggest thing affecting our day-to-day lives. You know, for me, everything is centred around stress. So that's actually a really, really good starting point in that whether it's that daily stress that we take from day to day, it's chronic stress, and it affects us on a physical level, on our skin, on an emotional level, and the way that we're feeling at that very cellular level. So that constant pumping of hormones through our body really affects us. And the wonderful thing about smell and aroma is that it is actually, you know, one of our most primitive smells. And it's connected to the deepest part of our brain. And you know, essential oils are very much a part of that. Powerful stuff. And I've been lucky enough to go visit your farm, haven't I? So um, could you tell for anyone that's um, interested in what, I mean, I know I've, I've been to your farm, I've seen your offices, I've seen all your books and research. I couldn't possibly ask you to name your favourite essential oils, but how about some that you particularly love at the moment or a British grown or I don't know, just tell us a few Things that people might not know. I think everyone knows about lavender for relaxing and so on and rose. But what about some other ones? So I've got some real favourites. There's probably three that immediately spring to mind. One of them is Fragonia, which is this amazing oil grown in southwest Western Australia. And it's a floral tea tree. It has the potency and the efficacy of of tea tree. But it's just like a floral version of that. Fragonia. Yeah, it's really, really amazing. And the sad thing is that about two years ago, there's only one farmer who's currently distills it. So it's really precious. And a bushfire came and wiped out everything. 
So um, well, they're only just getting back on their feet, but you know we're very, very lucky to have that lovely close relationship with them. But I think it's such a powerful oil. It's brilliant because it resets the body clock and the circadian rhythm. So for jet lag and things like that, it's one of those really, really amazing oils. I think I have it in nearly all of the skincare products oh because gosh, of it. Oh, so precious then. Yeah, it's antibacterial properties. is just incredible. And um, what other ingredients do you love? So Palo Santo is yes. one of my most favourite. Oh, gosh. It's creamy and rich and spiritual. And it's like wrapping yourself in a cashmere blanket. It's just, it's amazing. And it just makes, it always makes me feel really centred and grounded. And I'll always burn that before blending. Um, when you're creating yourself and when you're working. Yes, yeah. I'll sort of move between palacento and frankincense to, to burn in that way. But it's very clearing. It was called the holy wood. And I think thirdly is the lovely Cape Chamomile. Yeah. which is grown in South Africa. And we've done an amazing project with a farmer there who's actually growing a crop for us because it's it has an incredible impact on stress. It's one of those blue oils, which we've sort of seen a little bit that are coming through in, in different products these days. So it has an effect on calming and nervousness, but its efficacy on the skin is also extraordinary. So good for anxiety, another yes. huge problem at the moment. Yeah, so I was just thinking, smell is obviously what you sell. It's also what you use to create, like you're saying, you, you burn Palisanto or something else while you're working. Tell us a bit about you and Demamiel, your business, and how you got started and why smell is at the heart of what you do. I think it kept calling me. It's yeah. <laughs> really interesting. So I guess, you know, we all have had events in our lives that have pulled us in an interesting direction. And when I was in uh, doing my internship in China, and it sort of pulled it all together for me in that I saw in a very ancient way the use of essential oils. I'd had experience through going through a time when I was very sick and poorly, and these elements helped me. But I'd never really considered that and pulling that into what I did from that scientific um, perspective. But for me, I look at it and the science is why it works. And now that there's more amazing research coming out around essential oils, what they do to the body and how they actually create change within us. And that's the bit that I find really exciting. Yeah, you light up. You're amazing. <laughs> Annie, we've got to finish now. I'm really sad to say before I let you go, could you give us a couple of tips to anyone listening at home, how they could bring aromatherapy into their home in a very in the very basic way to start with till they fall in love with it and they want more? I think it's about working out what it is that you want to feel and how you want to change or if you're a bit sluggish and things like that. So um, an amazing little tip is with your altitude oil that we talked about before, sprinkling some on the shower floor of the morning, the hot water just helps to open you up and you know, you know it's like inspiration of your lungs and it inspires us to just keep going. Um, it's like an amazing waterfall spa treatment in the shower. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. that. I'm going to do that. Um, and other lovely things, you know, the bath is always an incredible place. And you just have, you know, a few of your own little essential oils and you can make whatever it is that you, you want to. You know, and if you don't like putting them in the bath and just put them in the basin next to you full of hot water so you get the aromatherapy mm. effects of it. You know, some sandalwood, which is you know, lovely and grounding and some frankincense, which is protecting. But try and and explore see yeah. you know what you like what you love and 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 just play with it yeah you know rose is beautiful for the heart and for sleeping if you know if our mind's just going a bit bonkers and there's a to-do list running around in our mind 
to try and settle us, you know, some lovely roses, really lovely, a little sort of dot on the yeah. pillow or on a tissue under the pillow so you can smell it through Gorgeous. the night. The important thing as well to say is that you were talking so much about the quality of what you buy. So I think if anyone's listening and hasn't got any oils, is you can buy them super small, but spend on quality and look for dark bottles. The, the good brands will sell in, in dark bottles, won't they? And get one, treat yourself or, you know, ask for it for your, for your birthday or Mother's Day or whatever and give it a go. I remember one of my best friends and I, when we first, first started getting into oils, we used to buy one each and swap it. You know, oh, at the, someone at the beginning of the school week would have yeah. one oil and someone would, and then we'd swap it until we ran out and could afford our next bottle. Oh, that is yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Oh. Thank you so much, Annie, for coming in. Thanks, See you Melissa. soon. Take care of you. Bye. Thank you again, Annie, for giving us an insight into the world of aromatherapy. So Lizzie and Nico, back to you. Annie is obviously very interested in the healing properties of scent. We spoke a little bit before that that's something that, that's um, interesting to you too. Are there, on a personal level, any smells that you really, really love as you, Lizzie as you and Nico as you, separate from your brands and your workshops? What's your thing? So um, the smells that I am all, would always want to carry with me to my grave... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lap- what's going in there? Love a bit of smoky tea. Lapsang tea is just, I'll always be interested in smelling that forever. Because I think it's so weird. It's like a sort of tea, but also a landscape and a time of year. Because, the you know, it just makes me think of October for some reason. I'll always be obsessed with the smell of Marmite. I'm a very proud Marmite <laughs> lover. And, like, I do smell that quite sort of compulsively at times. And... This sounds really odd, but I've got certain people in my life, not necessarily just my husband, but friends, where I just love the smell of them. And I don't kind of, I try not to sort of go up to them and um, freak them out. Mm. But when we're smelling different people, it's really hard to describe, right? Mm -hmm. Like why you smell different to you and what is it about it? So I don't have a verbal response, but I'm just trying to sort of build up that bank. And it's just so such an important part of someone. Have you got me in your bank yet? Have you sniffed me? Well, we didn't get too close at the we beginning, will, maybe at the end. We'll have to have some moments together. Moments together. <laughs> um, do you know, I never, I've never really inquired too much to my mum, but my mum's Filipino. And I, at first I thought it was her, but then I realised all my aunties and all the mums, all the women that are, are older than me are my aunties. And when when they greet each other, they don't go, mwah, mwah, kiss. They sniff you, so they go... To your left side and to your right. How interesting. And I've never really understood that. And I thought it was my mum's thing, then I thought it was people close to us, and then I've realised it's lots of Filipino people. Nico, what smell do you have that makes you feel better? Um, I love Neroli. Mm. Like, absolutely love Neroli. And I adore Palo Santo. Oh, Um, yes. Those Mm. two. It's quite funny because after hearing you talk about the Filipino tradition, um, in German, we have a saying when when you don't like someone, you say, I can't stand smelling you, which Ah. is also quite interesting. You say it to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Basically, yeah, yeah. You go like, I I can't stand smelling you. Just not into you, can't stand smelling you. But I think it's so true. It's like what you're saying, right? You want to smell people and get a sense of them. Mm. And clearly it's a tradition yeah. elsewhere yeah. so it, it has an effect on us whatever we smell we instantly make a quick judgment it, we process that information unconsciously and it helps it helps us I guess navigate through this world 
you, you said before, Lizzie, that you've got friends that you love the smell of and you've banked that up. Have you got anyone, any people in your life or maybe colleagues or something where you don't like the smell and but you like everything else about them, but just something jars with the... Obviously, you're not going to tell them because you're friends, but have you got any smells that you really find offensive? When I had um, Leora, my daughter, people give you their baby clothes because they want to get rid of. And it's the smell of their house. Like, I get these clothes and be like, yeah, that smells like your house. I'd never realised before. Plus whatever Lenore they're using. And with some of them, I was really into it. And then a few a few places, I hope you're not listening, or I won't <laughs> identify, I was like, oh, no. Oh, oh no. dear. And I'd have to wash them again. And it wasn't a bad smell. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Yes. But I just didn't accept it and had to... Sort of yeah. banish them, and I had to make it smell like our stuff again for it to for it to make sense in the yeah. home. But what is that about? You, you know how some people they have got a lovely smell, but maybe they they overpower. How, I mean, that's I, I'd like to know because my mum. Sorry to talk about my mum, but she her isimiyaki that I told you she made last for like twenty years. You know, even three decades. She would always take the perfume and just spritz it against her finger and then like just just the tiniest but touch it all over herself the whole That's process so took ages. Like. well she because she, she was like it's so expensive oh. and so precious but um when if i ever put perfume on and i think i'm really and i know the trick right you don't rub your wrists together you don't bash the the perfume but she'll always be like oh mel like too much too much i'm like mom that is not too much but do you have any tips for people when they are putting on perfume how do we know when it's too much and you know, even if it is a lovely smell, like is it is it one spritz? Do we walk into it? Do we walk into the waft? What are your tips? Uh, well, personally, not speaking as an expert here, I think you do whatever feels good. Yeah. And whatever makes you feel better about yourself, you just go for it. I don't know. I think overcomplicating how I apply a perfume, I don't know. It, it, I'm reading too much into it, am I? I? Do you agree, Lizzie? I do. Is it my mum's hang-up she's given me? You you do what you want, Um some perfume, also every perfume is different. So some of them, you do have to go wild because they're not particularly concentrated. They just keep going. And others can be a sort of spray and pray and hope you haven't overdone it because they're really... Well, I like that. So you've just, got to le- <laughs> you've just got to sort of, you know, learn through trial and error. But all this, even bashing wrists together, don't, I wouldn't worry too really? much. About. Oh, well, it's God, not I've just like been wasting my life. It's not like they're peas you're going to squash. Like, they're so <laughs> tiny. These. I thought it was the volatile <laughs> molecules well, or something. Well, I mean, I just think rubbing your wrist for a couple of seconds... I can't do it, too much damage. It's not going to do too much damage. Okay, I don't good. even notice. I'll take, that, I'll take that anxiety off my anxiety list. Is there anything you can't smell anymore because it just makes you so sad? Oh. oh gosh! Everyone's gone very quiet, mm. looking at the floor. Um. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't think I. I have any, any scent that I associate with anyone that would make me feel sad about it. There is obviously the 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 scents which remind me of my grandmother, who's not around anymore. That's a different type of sadness. And yes, the, those do exist. I don't live home anymore, so whenever I get homesick, it's the smell of you know home. I think there are smells that I found hard, but what um, can be quite good is if you keep smelling them and like go make yourself go through it and smell them in a more positive sort of place or state of mind, you will eventually come out the other be side. Be able to override it because you've got to build new associations. I mean, maybe it's not worth it if it's some like Calvin Klein, whatever. I mean, you don't have to, but if you really love the smell and you're sad, you can't 
go there anymore. Just keep going with it and it might get better. You know what there is, though, when you when you've discovered a scent that you love wearing and then you walk into a new job and somebody else has already claimed that scent. Oh, yeah, they've marked their territory. Yeah. And then what do you do? You well, have to, uh, let me ask you, what do you do, Nico? Uh, you basically have to find another scent. I did want to say, you know, I've been oodwooding for the last 10 years. I've, I, I like a little bit of orange blossom now. I'm, you know, I think I'd like to explore new scents. How do I go about that? And I do want to feel confident and I do want to, um, yeah, I want all the things that probably everyone else wants. What do I do? How do I find this? Well, if you have time and leisure to do this, what I would personally recommend, get some sample packs, basically. So it does involve spending more money, but... I think you need to order in a load for your home. Like internet dating with perfumes. It's like internet dating with perfumes. Yes, exactly. Now, some stores, yours included, are delightful. But a lot of us, we're smelling different perfumes in a department store or a chemist. And when we're talking about like falling in love with a smell, we were talking about positive associations, right? We form a positive association by smelling these scents in places that make us happy or in situations that make us happy. So if you can order a load in and try them out at a time that feels right, you give yourself the space to explore. So one of my colleagues, when I worked on an exhibition, she would order loads of samples. And every day when she took her dog for a walk, she'd wear a different one and go for a walk through the woods and see how it made her feel and give it a couple of hours. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is... I don't think going, right, you want confidence, you need to wear Neroli or you want to be sexy, you should wear a Langalang. I don't think that's particularly helpful because... Elang- I think I might, sorry, I just think I might have bought some of your at the yeah. body shop when I was about 16, oh, too yeah. smart, sexy. Was, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> really, is Ylang Ylang supposed to be sexy? It's supposed to be, well... Is it not for you, Nico? <laughs> I find it way too creamy and rich. I don't see any sexiness in it. Oh, there we go. Well, there yeah. was going wrong. The other thing is we need to find our own way of orienting around smells, which is, I guess, what we've both been doing with our events, right? It's like there's the the vocabulary you're given by the industry, like sort of fragrance pyramids or top notes and base notes or floral versus citrus. But there are other ways of thinking about what we might want from a scent. So, for example, going back to your point about putting on too much, some of us might be quite socially introverted and want something that hugs close and is comforting and others of us want to sort of radiate forth and like we're in this room blah 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 my sense here and smell me smell me smell me smell me me. so like the way like the behavior of the scent as a shape in the air like an invisible shape around you is as important as like what ingredients do I like so you know thinking of like what listeners could maybe what you guys could do from listening to this show is it's about like being comfortable with trying perfumes in loads of different mindsets so not just what can I smell what ingredients are here but like how loud is it or you know what sort of pitch is it at or what texture is this scent and the more we can kind of get comfortable with that and navigate we'll hopefully also be going well hang on what do I really want here what is important to me at the moment? It is really, it's a sort of, a, it's finding that right center. It's, it's, it's sort of smell therapy. It's like a journey of self-discovery. What do I, going back to what we said right at the very beginning, like, am I wearing this for me? Or am I, you know, mm-hmm. and I, am I wearing it for somebody else? It's it's like a, a big thing. And, and then, and good quality smells are, are not cheap. 
That reminds me, so that is a quite a good way, if you don't know what your scent is, to go to a workshop where you get to smell lots and lots of scents, yeah. right? And, yeah, and yeah. play around with them. So how often do you do your workshops? Oh, our workshops are on every weekend. Um, we do about five a week. We do them externally as well. They're always very much fun when you do them with um, uh, offices. I was as going to say, I know a lot of people um, who listen uh, are taking a lot of the tips they're hearing and going into their offices and saying to their bosses, let's do this. Yeah. I bet good team bonding. Oh, it's so Great thing to do, right? It's because send isn't something you talk about over, over your lunch, right? You'll talk about the TV content, the Netflix show you've watched, but you're not going to talk about send. It's such an interesting way to discover another even further because you, you spend so much time together at, at your work. Yes. To suddenly then talk about send and again, even your family members, when it comes to favorite send, you will always come back with a brand or a product. It's never down to, okay, this is my favorite send and these are the reasons. Actually, I've thought about it and this is it. It's always like, oh yeah, I know she likes this candle or this perfume um so it's a really nice it's a really nice kind of 90 minute session where you more than just work with with fragrances and oils and make a candle you actually get to know your the people you sit around the table with that sounds like a really good way to spend a very cold depressing evening at the moment especially yeah last tip i mean you've given us so many tips but um is there anything else you would say to anyone i mean i think i've learned from you both is to not overthink it (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Smells should be accessible and fun and not intimidating. And I think you need to find the way that you enjoy smell. So some of us are very verbal and we smell something and we want to describe it with language. And that gives us, you know, a hit and it's really exciting. But maybe you are responding in another way. So I remember like years ago doing an event where we got people with going back to modelling clay and plasticine. They were just making sculptures out of plasticine from scents. Maybe not something to do around the breakfast table. But, you know, there are lots of different ways you can riff off of a smell and do things with it. So if you are more sort of visually minded or um, auditory minded sound there are ways you're going to be able to enjoy a smell and it's not just about you know as much as we've been talking about smell it's not just about talking <laughs> yeah it's about feelings feel it yes. feeling yeah and nico i think my tip is not to doubt your skill everybody yeah, always goes nice. like oh i can't smell i can't smell don't doubt yourself just enjoy what it is and keep on trying if you if you feel like you're still struggling I love it. Right. Okay. Now, everyone is obviously going to want to know more about you both. So can you please tell us the best way we can follow you, Lizzie? Instagram as Odette Toilette or my website where I've got all my different sort of smell projects is odettetoilette.com. And you, Nico? You can find more about us on Instagram at Earl of East London and on our website, earloftheastlondon.com. And huge thanks again to Annie. You can find her on Instagram at Skin. I'll be back again next week for our very final episode of the series. Quite sad about that. In the meantime, if you'd like to know more about the guests on this show, head over to virgin.com forward slash podcasts. And please do get in touch with us. Let us know how our tips throughout the series have been helping you live life better. You can chat to us at Virgin using the hashtag live life better. Live Life Better is a Pixie production for Virgin. Until next time from me, Melissa Hemsley, it's goodbye. Goodbye.